today on the On Enquirer podcast. This might be the same day you're listening to another one because uh, we're having a lot this week just because there's so much going on. But today on this podcast, we will chat Illinois versus Indiana. We will get you ready for Illinois trying to get one step closer to a bowl bid while Indiana tries to keep its bowl bid hopes alive. Illinois, Indiana, 11 a.m. kickoff. We will preview this with a six-pack of Illini questions with Joey Wagner. We'll get to that later on. We'll talk about the quarterback situation for Illinois, a guy returning from injury for sure uh, coming up this week, some underrated storylines about this team, what gives us confidence uh, and concerns us in this Indiana matchup, and uh, we'll also talk about some potential all-Big Ten honors for this team but first we're going to chat with matthew weaver he covers indiana football and i gotta say this indiana team's a little plucky they uh, don't overlook them they're playing their best ball right now they almost pushed penn state or they did push penn state really had a chance to win that game uh in happy valley uh, but penn state able to kind of pull it out towards the end but penn state did not play well but indiana was a reason for that uh, and they took advantage and they were able to play um you know, competitive football at one of the top teams in the country. And last week, they kind of carried that momentum into a win against Wisconsin. Now, Wisconsin's beat up, don't have the quarterback, don't have the running back. But uh, Illinois has got some injury issues as well. Uh, Luke Altmyer not yet cleared to practice. So don't overlook Indiana, which, whose quarterback, Brennan Soresby, redshirt freshman, is playing pretty well the last couple of weeks. So, Let's look ahead. Joy Wagner will talk some Illini, but coming up next, Matthew Weaver from Peaks.com breaks down the Indiana Hoosiers. You've heard us talk about home field apparel since the start of the season. There are a lot of collegiate apparel brands out there, but we wanted to partner with Home Field because their designs are the best out there. Some of Illini Enquirer's favorites are the Basketball Ringer Tee, the Rose Tee, and the 1980s Long Sleeve with the script Illini. It's great. Be sure to check out homefieldapparel.com, filter by Illinois, and see what we're talking about. And our listeners get an exclusive deal using code Illini23. Using that code Illini23 gets you 15% percent off your first order we all know you're wearing a line eye gear so if you're in need of a refresh we really think that you should check out home field apparel which has the best designs and these shirts guys are really comfortable their designs are super unique and a lot of thought goes into each concept there's really nothing else on the market like what home field is doing you can find them at homefieldapparel.com and use code illini23 for 15 percent off your first order at homefieldapparel.com when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, let's get some insight into the Indiana Hoosiers. Been plucky of late. Uh, I get a huge win at Wisconsin. Matthew Weaver covers Indiana football for Peags.com, part of 24-7 Sports with the great site at Indiana. Matt, how would you kind of describe the season so far for Indiana? Well, it's been it's been a struggle. I mean, uh, you know, they uh, expectations were, I mean, it's I mean, when you have the schedule they have, you know, the expectations are tempered so much, somewhat because, you know, you're basically starting the season with three losses with Michigan, Ohio State, and, and Penn State. Um, but I think people were expecting, you know, they had two wins two years ago, four wins last year. You you were kind of maybe hoping or thinking that they would improve a little bit on that and, and maybe get back to that 
you know, six win bowl uh, season type of year. Um, and, you know, last week helped, but obviously they're on their backs are against the wall. They got to win out, um, you know, to make it. Their offense was a major issue, hence the, the firing of Walt Bell uh, about a month ago um, and replaced with former Northern Illinois and Temple head coach Rod Carey, former IU player. Um, and there's been some signs of life from the offense. Uh, Brendan Soresby settled in a little bit at quarterback after a quarterback battle that went like five weeks into the season, I think, five, six weeks, if not more, into the season. So um, defensively, they've been, they've been, there's been flashes of good play. Um, but there's also, if you look at the stats, there's been some tough play. Now, like I've said in our questions, they have played, you know, some of the best offenses, not only in the Big Ten, but in the country. But the bottom line is they haven't played great. Right. Um, actually, one of their best offensive performances was probably against Ohio State at week one. Now, you know, it was a long time ago, but, um, you know, they, they've had, I mean, Michigan just killed them. Maryland, uh, I know you guys played, went over there and won. They, they chewed them up. I mean, it was a really bad performance. They, they have played better the last two weeks. They were they were actually pretty good at Penn State. Some of the points they gave up were on mistakes from special teams and, and Soresby throwing a bad pick. Um, uh, very solid last week against Wisconsin. Wisconsin's obviously banged up a little bit, but they're playing better. I mean, it's a team that I told you know I, I they have enough talent to win six games, but they they couldn't they couldn't have self inflicted wounds, and this has really been a season of self inflicted wounds for Indiana. Hard to talk about Indiana without talking about what is the long term here, right? I mean, Tom Allen, twenty nineteen, twenty twenty with Michael Penix, AJ Barner, two guys who are playing pretty well at their new spots. Like they've had they had two really good seasons in a row it's like oh tom allen might figure that thing out at indiana as, as much as you can at indiana uh, kind of like illinois here right but three and 21 in the big 10 since then um matt so what what is the temperature around uh tom allen right now well i mean it's 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 rising i mean if you look at some of the the national stuff and even the guys that you know i know brandon marcella who does the uh against him who does the um the coaching thing the hot seat you know he's up there at the top and and you know, like you said, it's not been good. Um, they, they've they've you know they've got seven wins, I think, in the last uh, yeah last uh, uh, few years or ten wins, and and most of them are against you know non FBS teams. Um, two of them are against Idaho. You know, you're you're not you're not exactly uh, you know uh, beating quality teams. So the problem is for Indiana, his buyout's twenty million on December first. So his contract, the way it works, is his contract goes until the end of November, then it restarts the next year on December first. So December first, his buyout drops. Right now, it's twenty five million. It'll drop to roughly twenty million. So that's a big problem. I mean, Indiana's not the type of school that. It, you know, not many schools have that kind of cash laying around, but even if Indiana did, they're just not the type to spend that on football. Um, you know, it'll be interesting to see what happens these last three games. You know, I, I, I've asked myself, what happens if they win five? It's yeah. an improvement over last year. Um, you know, and obviously this week, I, to me, of the, when they go into the Wisconsin game, to me, this was going to be the toughest game at Illinois. I thought of the remaining four games that they had to win. I thought this was going to be the toughest game. Um, Michigan State's down, and obviously Purdue is really struggling too. But it's a rivalry game, and it's yeah. at West Lafayette, so that does make it a little bit tougher. But um, I just I don't know. It's so hard to say. You know, if they if they would say they'd lose out, I think Indiana would probably like to make a change. That's just my gut feeling, just because it looks like it's really flatlined. But can you make a change? Is is the is the money there? Um, and if it's not, can you maybe get him to agree to a lower buyout to part ways? Because, you know, if, if it goes it, if it goes three and nine, then you're probably looking at he's he's a dead man walking next season if you bring him back. What is what is realistic? Like if Indiana did go out there into the market, um, who can it appeal to? 
because uh, I like Illinois, right? It's there's just not a, a great history there. No, I do think the one thing that helps uh, schools that we cover in the Big Ten is that media money. Yeah. And that's huge. I mean, what is it, going to be $70 million? Or is it this year or next year they start getting $70 million per school? That's huge. Um, you know, and and that's something that, you know, obviously they, you're not using that for NIL because schools can't pay. But, you know, it gives you resources that you wouldn't get at some other schools. Who would it appeal to? I mean, you know, you're to get a sitting Power 5 head coach, they probably have to overpay. Yeah. I mean, let's be honest. Um, you know, at least a successful one, a guy who's been winning. Um, but to me, they need to find – I've told people, I mean, it's easier said than that. They need to find their Lance Leipold mm-hmm. if they do make a change. They need to find that guy. Is that guy out there? I don't know. And if he is, can you get him? I don't know. Uh, but that's what they need to find. He doesn't have to be a sexy hire. You just need a guy who's who's shown an ability. I would look at a guy who's been going to places where they've been losing and they immediately start winning. And he's shown an ability to build programs. I mean, those guys aren't easy to find, but that's what I would look for. Um, you know, I, I can see them going. I think you need a head coach. I wouldn't go the coordinator route, but coordinators are typically a little bit cheaper than going after, obviously, after a head coach. So maybe that's the, and that's the other thing. If they pay that $20 million, obviously, it's not a lump sum, it's over a period of years. Um, but then you still got to pay amount of money to bring in a coach and a new staff and, and all that kind of stuff. So it adds up quick. Um, I think it's probably more appealing than people would think because it's in the Big Ten. But still, there are there are like you know there are obstacles um, like you 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 guys have in Illinois. Probably not as many as um, you guys probably have as many as Indiana does. But there still are obstacles there that uh, are going to be tough to overcome. Well, I think they're playing some of their best football, Matt. Right, like the last couple games, kind of like Illinois. I think the last three games they've played their best ball. You know, watching the last three games, I thought Penn State they had chances to win that game. Uh, and then obviously last week beat Wisconsin. Uh, I know Braylon Allen wasn't there, but that's still a really good win for them. So what has led to that? Well, I think I mean I think you're starting to get some consistent play at quarterback. So we played well at Penn State. Um, he really did the, the defense, which you know early on I thought the defense was going to be somewhat of a strength, maybe not great, but you know good enough to maybe kind of keep him in some games. Um, they played better. Um, you know, uh, at, at Penn State, I mean, they, they gave up seven points on a muff punt at their own ten yard line or what a fifteen yard line, whatever it was. Sorsby had a pick right before half that they turned into three points. You know, uh, a little disappointing with the play calling when you get a pick and it's um, you're down three with five minutes to go and you've got Penn State on the ropes. You know, you run it three straight times and kick a field goal. To me, when you're two and five, I'm chucking first pass was going into the end zone. I mean, that's me, but. Um, you know that I just think I think Sorsby playing better. I think they're you know if you look at the running stats, they haven't been great the last couple of weeks, and you can't take out the sack yardage because they're part of the rushing stats. But if you just look at the rushing stats, they've actually been pretty solid. I think there was like 120 yards against Penn State, similar against Wisconsin, two teams that are usually pretty good against the run. And when you can run the ball, I mean, you, you guys know it over there. I mean, Bielema builds his offense on being able to run the ball, and then you do everything off of that. And if you can run the ball just a little bit. You don't have to be going for six, seven yards a pop or 200 yards a game, enough that they have to respect it. Then that opens up stuff in the passing game. And Soresby th- throwing the ball better. And then Adam McNally, McCauley, excuse me, has played much better. Um, and some of the other receivers, you know, have played better. They lost Cam Camper, though, this week for the season, rest of the season, which is a loss. Omar Cooper went down uh, last week. Don't know his status, which could be a big deal. But they've got some skill guys that they can protect Soresby and they can run the ball and take care of it. Soresby's a tough kid. Um, he's he's got. I know the question about him was throwing the ball, but he's got an arm too. Like, uh, what have you made of him? Is he a long term answer for them? 
I think so. And I'll be perfectly honest. I'll, I'll I'll eat crow. A month ago, I thought, you know, I'm not sure this guy is a is a Big Ten quarterback. Um, but and a lot of it was because of his passing. And if you watch his highlights from high school, he did a lot of running. Um, I think he played. I, I, you know, he wasn't highly recruited. And I know there's always excuses. I think one of them is I think he played baseball. Uh, he did play baseball. I'm wondering if that kind of he maybe didn't go to all those camps and stuff. Um, but uh, he's 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 six three, two thirty, big guy. He can run. I wouldn't call him dynamic, but he can run enough that you got to respect it. Um, and then his his he's got a good arm. The biggest thing for him is just his accuracy can be off, and a lot of it's mechanically drops his elbow sometimes, doesn't get his feet set, stuff like that. But when he gets in a rhythm, he can really make some nice throws. And his ability, you know, everybody's talking about Taven Jackson. Obviously, Trace's younger brother, four star, big time recruit. The problem with Taven is he's not he's not uh, he's a pocket guy. And I'm not saying he's Michael Penix in any way whatsoever because Michael Penix right now is on a different planet than a lot of guys. But he's like Michael Penix in that he wants to stay in the pocket. Michael could run, but he didn't want to run. He wanted mm-hmm. to stay in the pocket and throw the ball. That's what Taven wants to do. He can run a little bit, but his strength is being in the pocket. They tried doing the read option. They tried doing triple option. He looked really uncomfortable. Um, and I told people, I think you need to run a, a more dual-threat quarterback because this team can't run well enough just by running the ball. You got to have the quarterback as a running element. And I think that Sorsby's opened up some things. Um, and, and I think that's the biggest thing. I will say this um, this team has a quit on Tom Allen. They yeah. were, they, they got smoked, uh, what, Maryland, Michigan, Rutgers, three games in a row. Um, and they didn't quit. They went out to Penn State. I thought that was going to be a 35. I thought that was going to be it. And they didn't quit. Um, obviously they didn't win, but they played well. Then they came back and beat Wisconsin, and we'll see what happens these last three weeks. But I'll give them that. You know, I thought these guys would mail it in after those three games. What, okay, you brought the name up. What what do Indiana fans? What does Indiana people think of Michael Penix and Kalen DeBoer doing what they're doing out in Seattle? Well, I think you're happy. Obviously, for you're you're happy. I'll say personally because obviously I got to know both of them. I still I still talk to Coach DeBoer. You know, now and again, I'm thrilled for both of them. I mean. It's weird to say this. Michael Penix needed to leave Indiana. It just what you know what I mean. Like he 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 was obviously phenomenal, and but he needed to live in leave Indiana because as long as he was here, he was always going to be the starter or the presumed starter, and they were just they weren't protecting him. And I mean, and really, his injuries weren't so much because of not protection, lack of protection, but I think it led to some of the stuff. You know, if you watch him out there, he doesn't really run that much. He stays in the pocket and just drops dimes and throws for four hundred yards a game. Um, so personally, I, I, I'm pleased. I think for a lot of people, um, you know, it's it's tough to watch. You know, another media guy said we were driving back from, I think it was Michigan, and he said, he said, you know, the, the Michael Penix Indiana breakup is one of those ones where you break up with a girl, and and um, <laughs> it's a good breakup. Like you're 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 still friends, but you don't want them to do better than you. Well, he's <laughs> like, well, unfortunately, Michael Penix has moved on to a supermodel. <laughs> you know what I mean? And we ha- and you have it. So, but you're still happy for him because he's a, he's a good dude. He worked hard. He really took a beating that last year, um, really all the years in the end. But that 21 season was rough on Michael. I mean, he I think to the point where he was thinking about walking away. And look at him now. He might win the Heisman and be a first-round pick. Uh, defensively, what, what do you think of this Indiana team? What are their strengths and weaknesses on that side of the ball? Going up against an Illinois offense that has played a little bit better, especially with Caden Fagan at running back. Yeah, I think, I mean, honestly, I think up front, that, and I the rushing stats are going to say this, but I think their strengths in their front seven. Aaron Casey's phenomenal. Um, I think he's having an all Big Ten season. He was Big Ten Player of the Week. He's up, you know, in the top in a lot of categories. He's been really good. Um, 
secondary has been up and down. Um, you know, they, they, that was always a question coming in. They were better early in the season. And then, I mean, Maryland, they were awful. A lot of games, they were awful. Michigan, they were awful. They just, they weren't good. Um, but I think I would say the strengths are the front seven. Andre Carter, the transfer from Western Michigan, has been a good addition. Some other guys they brought in have been good additions. Um, you know, to me, the biggest thing is, is I know it's cliche and everybody says it, they're, they're going to have to slow down Illinois' running game. Whoever the quarterback is, put him in second and long, third and long, and, and see if you can maybe get him into some mistakes and, um, you know, win the turnover margin. I mean, you've got to, when you play a team like Illinois, you got to slow down the run game because if not, Bielema is just going to, you know, he's going to run it all day long. And I, and, and I don't blame him. I would too. Um, you know, if, if their quarterback gets protection, you know, the guy that worries me, obviously, the back is Williams, um, the receiver. He's good. Um, you know, and if they have protect, if they protect that guy and he's got all day to throw, he's going to get open. And so that to me, I think that's the guy I'd be worried about if I was Indiana. Um, so, you know, like I said, you got to get some pressure, stop the run, and then hopefully make get maybe force some mistakes. You kind of made a reference to this, but uh, this is a big game for Illinois for their bowl hopes. What's this game mean for Indiana? Well, it's do or die. They're, I mean, Coach Allen said it, they're in playoff mode every week now. You know, and, um, you know, I don't want to put the, the, the cart before the horse, but, you know, to me, I think if they win this game, they've got a great shot at going bowling. I mean, Michigan State, they got them at home, and then obviously at Purdue will be tough. That won't be easy, but it'll be interesting to see what happens with Purdue because it's a new coaching staff there. They're not bowl eligible. Can they keep that team together? A bunch of guys they didn't recruit. You know, we'll see. Um, but, you know, it's, it's huge. I mean, obviously, if you lose this game, then essentially your season's over. I mean, you still got – they still got two trophy games with Michigan State and Purdue to play for, um, so there's still pride. But as far as going bowling, that's what this team's been holding on to this through this whole losing streak. Is we still have a chance to go bowling. If you lose that, it'll be interesting to see how they come out and play the last two weeks. Should get uh, two very motivated teams, and I'm telling Illinois fans, this is not an easy game with what I've seen from Indiana the last couple of weeks. Matt Weaver, uh, thanks for the time as always, man. Appreciate the insight. Enjoy the game Saturday. Thanks, man. This episode of the Illini Enquirer podcast is presented by Underdog Sports. We see a lot of you are downloading Underdog Sports, using the promo code, and having fun, which we love to see. If you haven't already checked out Underdog Sports, be sure to do so. It's super easy to use. You go on the app, go pick whether favorite players will have a higher or lower stat total than what is listed. For example, Travis Kelsey, he's very popular these days. If his number is set at 50 receiving yards, and you know Taylor Swift is in the house, you may feel confident he's going to go way higher than the number. Do that with two to five different players and you're in business if you go five for five you can 20x your money so sign up today with promo code Illini and get your first deposit doubled up to $100 visit underdogfantasy.com or find them in the app store and don't forget to register with promo code Illini to get your first deposit doubled up to $100 there are a lot of fantasy companies out there but we decided to partner with underdog because it's the easiest place to play fantasy sports it's also the fastest growing fantasy app in the industry you must be 18 or older and present in a state where underdog fantasy operates terms apply concerned with your play call 1-800-522-4700 or visit www.ncpgambling.org the baseball season is in full swing which means you need to listen to fantasy baseball today part of the cbs sports podcast network Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Stample, every weekday as we recap every player from every game. We'll talk waiver wire ads, drops, players to trade for, prospects who could make an impact, and everything in between. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found. 
All right, it's time to focus on the Illinois side of this Illinois-Indiana matchup. Currently a six-point spread by the odds makers right now. And uh, we got a big topic we got to talk about if Illinois' starting quarterback is going to be there. But it's Joey Wagner. we got six questions to go over, Joey, uh, and plenty to talk about here with Illinois. After a win at Minnesota, that comeback win gives them a real chance over these last three games. But this team hasn't won back-to-back games yet, Joey, so they still got a lot to prove to show they can get to a bowl. Yeah, they haven't done it since that run last October. Uh, November last year, they didn't do it. Obviously, this year, we haven't seen that week-to-week winning consistency. We've seen consistent elements of their game week over week recently. It's been the running game. I mean, yeah, can they string two together? And, and I know we're going to get into it pretty quickly, but they have their starting quarterback to try to do it. That's, that's the biggest question going into the week. Well, there it is. It is the biggest question going into the week. If Luke Altmeyer can't go on Saturday, what's that mean for Illinois on Saturday? John Paddock is going to get a chance to follow up what was a pretty magical final drive. Uh, so Luke Altmeyer asked Brett Bielema today uh, if he had practiced. He has not practiced. He's not been cleared. That doesn't sound uh, good. T- typically, you would like your, your players to practice going into a game. Uh, but I did say, you know, look, it's easier. Nine-game starter quarterback. It's Is there a window where he could be cleared on Friday and, and go? And yes, yes, there is a window for that. Uh, it's, just, it's hard to project out, right? And, and they've still been pretty mum on what Luke Altmaier is dealing with. Uh, uh, you can speculate. We, we have to speculate because, I mean, they. we asked him. I asked him to specify so we wouldn't speculate. But given that he did looked off after the game, given that he hasn't been cleared yet, he was at the Illinois basketball game on Monday. He did Derek Piper and Lante's radio show on Monday. Uh, but he's not been cleared to practice medically he he got his he got his head the back of the head hit like it certainly seems very plausible and likely that he has been in concussion protocol but we don't know that for sure because Brett Bielema has not specified it. That's right, and there's a there's a series of checklists, right? I feel like we've had this conversation a great number of times. The series of checklists he, he's going to have to go through to get cleared, and as of Thursday, he hadn't practiced a single. Uh, they don't practice on Friday. They'll maybe do a walkthrough. So I don't know. That We'll see. It means John Paddock's going to get the start. And I'm wondering, Jeremy, and I know we can get into this. I know it'll be our next question. You should lean on the run game. The run game that has been good for you in the last few weeks. Caden Fagan, Reggie Love is expected to play. Do you lean on that and, and just try to make this as seamless as you possibly can for John Paddock, who has experience, but he's still a backup quarterback? Yes. that The game against Minnesota was absolutely lightning in a bottle. For John Paddock. It was legendary. He is not going to throw perfect. He is not going to throw for 350 yards and five touchdowns in this game. I would be shocked if that were the case. John Paddock is a backup for a reason. It took him four years to start at Ball State for a reason. That said, I think we've seen some things when he's come into games uh, that is both concerning and encouraging. Uh, The number one thing is his consistency throwing the ball. Let's not forget some of the games he's come in the first couple of passes have not looked very good. Then Minnesota completely changed it. But when he's gotten time and he's gotten into a rhythm, he gets the ball out incredibly quick. Uh, he makes pretty good reads quickly. He, he surveys the field really, really well. The things I question is, does he throw accurately, consistently uh, over an entire game with a Big Ten defense bearing down on you? He's smaller than Luke Altmaier. One of my biggest concerns if Paddock plays this game for Illinois in general is the running aspect of Luke Altmaier. John Paddock is 
Not an oak tree, as Rod Smith would say. Like, he can elude pressure, but he's more like Tommy DeVito, the runner. I think Luke Altmaier's proven he is one of the most dynamic quarterbacks in the Big Ten with his legs. Um, so that not having that element of a run game, it does concern me that they could load up on Caden Fagan, right? And that running attack, and that forces a quarterback to throw in tight windows, and, and I'm just a little concerned about that. That said, for anybody who wanted to see John Paddock start this game no matter what, you're going to get your opportunity, and I'm really interested to see how he plays over an entire game because I, th- I think the expectation should be he manages the game, right? But I, I do think he's shown a fiery leadership that, that Luke Altmaier does not have. Um, he gets the ball out probably quicker than Luke Altmaier, makes quicker decisions. He's just got more experience, um, at least a little bit at this point of the season, than Luke Altmaier, who's gaining quickly on him. Listen, I don't think it's a good thing that Luke Altmaier is out this game. He's one of their most dynamic weapons. But at least John Paddock has shown you when he has had to come in, and especially last week, there's something there. This isn't just you know a guy that's going to have to dink and dunk the entire game. I, I think... Barry Loney's going to have to be really good. His wide receivers are going to have to win some 50-50 balls. Caden Fagan's going to have to run the ball. But I think Paddock can give you a chance to win this game. Yeah, I'm still going to go with if John Paddock starts this game um, until we see it on the injury report or Brett Bielema says sure. otherwise. I do think it's clearly trending towards that direction, right? Uh, but I think to have John Paddock in, if that's seven days after that, you could just kind of ride that wave. Yeah. Like just, just take it as far as it'll take you. He should be confident. Maybe that gets you. Yeah, maybe that gets you to halftime. Maybe not. Maybe it gets you to the fourth quarter. I don't know. But ride that in there. Right. That's what it comes down to. You've you've got this moment in your pocket. People believe in you. I think that's a really big thing. That that is a really really big thing. Jeremy, we've covered Illinois football teams. The backup quarterbacks didn't really instill a great deal of belief. Uh, pe- people yeah. believe in him. They, they follow him. They they, they understand. Like that's a good sign. That's what we talked about on, on Saturday, right? You've got a capable backup who, if things come in, you don't feel like everything's on fire around you. Like that is, there's so much value to that man. And, and to have that, to, if he's got to get thrust into a start this week, he's doing it confidently. They believe in him. Like, yeah, I, I don't think it's a rational confidence. I, I like that, like the concept of that, but it's semi-rational confidence. Yeah, like th- there's some similarities. I know you didn't cover this team, but to 2014, when you had Wes Lunt, big-armed quarterback, top recruit, gets hurt, and Riley O'Toole comes in. And he was – I mean, Riley's a really top-level recruit, too. I think he was the News Gazette Player of the Year, senior year. Put up huge numbers at Wheaton Morville South. But um, he came into the game, and, like, he just gave him a spark. Like, he wasn't maybe as big-armed as Wes Lunt, maybe not as accurate, but he could run, unlike Wes Lunt. Uh, and the team just believed him. He gave him a fire, and I, that really showed. Now, I think Luke Altmaier's a more dynamic quarterback than Wes Lunt just because he can run, and he, and he can do all those things. Uh, and John Paddock's not as big as Riley Latoul, probably not quite as talented uh, overall, but I do think it's a similar situation in that this is one of the better backup quarterbacks I think Illinois has had in a time, or capable backup quarterbacks it has. And, and as you said, like that, that performance Saturday – I think gained him a lot of confidence in himself, uh, showed he can do it this, at this level, but maybe more importantly, gave his teammates a lot of confidence in him. Yeah. Again, like, I don't know how long that wave's going to go. Yeah. And it might, like, it might be a drive, right? And it might be four, like, see where it takes you. See where it takes you. But the, the reality is you're in a really important game to try to get to where you want to go. So you better hope it takes you a little bit. 
Yeah, and you hope he takes care of the ball. Last year, Ball State, 18 touchdowns to 14 interceptions. All right, so uh, he's got to take care of the ball, 60% completion rate around there. Um, but uh, this will be the injury report. Uh, Big Ten mandated injury report we'll be paying attention to more than any, I believe, this season. Yeah, we, can we just circle back really quickly, Jeremy? It was a big deal when they landed John Paddock and they were able yeah. to kind of thread the needle of, of going to get in a starter and getting an experience back up as a walk-on. Man, that is paying off big. What, what, do it, do it. Do it. Yeah. I know what you're going to do. <laughs> what I tell you when I went to the elevator, like I just felt like the only quote that was in my mind, glad I called that guy. <laughs> right. Backup quarterback was a huge concern of mine. It's not that I don't think Donovan Leary can eventually be that guy or uh, eventually turn into an impact quarterback. It's just he's a redshirt freshman who hadn't played, barely snapped in the offense last year because he was on the scout team. So to be able to get a guy's preferred walk-on like John Paddock with Division One FBS starting experience. I mean, he started at Ohio State <laughs> with Ball State. Like Tennessee, yeah. I want to say it was another one. Yeah, yeah so Tennessee is definitely one. Maybe it wasn't Ohio State, but he's played in, in some of these atmospheres, and, and to do what he did against Minnesota certainly gives you some confidence. Another injury thing, but on the positive. Reggie Love sounds good to go on Saturday. Brett Beamer told you guys today on Thursday. How can his return impact the Illini offense, Joey? Well, I still expect Caden Fagg and Brett Bielema said as much today to be that lead running back. Uh, Reggie Love just hasn't played much in the last five or six weeks. He had that one game where he came back after the Purdue game, but that was Nebraska. But he just hasn't had consistent reps. So to, I, no one should think he's going to come in and, and DC Caden Fagan for where he's at. But to be able to give Caden – like, man, dude, that Minnesota game, they were walking a tightrope at running back. I wrote about it, how they got their two walk-on defensive backs ready behind Nick Fadonzo. This takes a – you know, you can breathe a little bit more uh, with, with Reggie Love back on Saturday. And just to give Caden Fagan some, some breathers to add a different element, Reggie Love is a very steady running back. So I just think that those two will complement each other in an important way, and I think that'll help if Illinois is to its backup quarterback, too. Yeah, and I, I don't know if it's going to be fully this way this week because Reggie, is he 100%? Is he, you know, Bielma said he's probably going to be on a pitch count of some means. Uh, that's easier to do when you got Caden Fagan, but finally you might have the running back duo that you want and that you have a big physical bruiser that was supposed to be Josh McCray, but Caden Fagan has been one of the best Big Ten running backs the last couple of weeks. And then Reggie Love in that do-everything, consistent, steady, um, kind of change of pace back. I, I think he's perfectly built for a number two role, and I think he's going to be fine doing that um, because he knew he was going to play that role anyway. But I think he's a really consistent player uh, that can really help Illinois. And if, and if he can make those cuts that we know he can – I think it's going to be nice to get Caden Fagan a breather, as you said, but also Reggie Love's the best blocking running back. And I know that's not sexy to anybody, but when you got play action and Indiana's bearing down, run blitzing, and you got to pick up that one extra guy, like I trust Reggie Love to do it more than anybody, and that might give John Paddock the opportunity, or Luke Altmaier if he plays, the opportunity to hit that deep shot. So those little things that you can just count on Reggie Love for, I think can be incredibly important. Because Caden Fagan has certainly improved as a blocker as the season going, has gone along, but Reggie Love is really good at it. Yeah, and you just you say you can't have too many running backs. You don't have enough, right? So to get him back, and somebody who's just been in these kind of 
a Caden Fagan to this point's got some <laughs> under his belt, but to be in these kind of games and, and where it matters, it really matters down the stretch to try to get in there. Well, and if Caden Fagan got hurt, if Caden Fagan got hurt, you'd be you'd be turning to Nick Fidanzo. I mean, it seemed like Illinois was ready to do that. They had to, but Reggie Love, at least I know, has has been in those situations. Yeah, it gives you so much more breathing room. Like that's the biggest thing, regardless of. If Reggie, you know, we don't know the carry. Maybe he gets five carries. Maybe he gets yeah. ten. I, I don't know. Uh, but just to not feel like kind of walking on eggshells a little bit, hoping, you know, Caden Fagan doesn't go down or get hurt or, or anything along those lines. Just sitting, Calling it an insurance policy feels like a disservice to Reggie Love because he's a, he's a steady number two running back in the Big Ten. But it does add insurance to, to your running back room. All right, question number three. What is an under-the-radar under storyline with this team during the last few weeks? So just something that you know we've been talking about that maybe we haven't written too in-depth or maybe we did this week, Joey. Uh, yeah, Johnny we... Newton. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, he, I got, he's an answer for me coming up. But, uh, yeah, anything you want to hit on? Underrated storyline right now. It's a good question. I was at Moe's when you sent me this. <laughs> I, I will give mine, and I'm writing yeah. about it later. I have I have a couple, but go for it. I'm writing about it later today. It's it's the wide receiver rotation. Uh, the wide receiver rotation has gotten very small. Uh, Ashton Holland's got like five snaps uh, against Minnesota. Um, Hank Beatty got a couple. Uh, Sean Miller has barely played. Obviously, Malik Elzey has barely played. You see every once in a while, Keon Battle getting the game. But they are riding their top three guys. Casey Washington barely comes off the field. Isaiah Williams, of course, barely comes off the field. Uh, and Pat Bryant plays a ton of reps. Um, and I asked George McDonald. I, I said, you were there with me talking to George McDonald about the receiver rotation. He said, listen, like we're just doing what we need to win games is basically the, the point. And those guys do not want to come off the field. And it's obvious. like We know that the answer was, but to hear from George, like, they trust those guys. Like Casey Washington has earned the trust that he's going to run the right route, that he's going to make the right block. Pat Bryan has been a little inconsistent with his hands, but he's going to run the right route. He's going to he's going to make that block, and obviously you're not going to take Isaiah Williams off the field that much. So I get it. Every Illini fan that is concerned of Malik Elzey, we need to play him. What, what's going to happen in the offseason? But I asked George specifically about Malik. How has he handled that? And – you know, George, at least to us on the record, was saying Malik has handled it really well. He understands his time is coming, and he's going to get his opportunity to be a great player. But right now, we want to win games, and these guys give us the, the best chance to win games. So none of that was a shock of what he said. Um, Malik, what he said about Malik was encouraging, uh, as, you know, if, if that truly is the case. So we'll see where it goes from here. But we thought the receiver rotation would be a little bit deeper but they're just riding with those veterans. Yeah, that was a position we thought had really improved its depth. And it has, to a degree, improved its depth. Talent, but I thought sure. we, Yeah, talent for sure. We, we thought maybe that would show up a little bit more in terms of depth is the best way to put it this year. And early on, they were feeling their way around what they had a little bit. And, but yeah, it's probably been last three or so games you've really noticed. Maybe Maryland is the one that comes to mind for me. Yeah. That's like, wow, this is... They're going with three and seeing what can happen. And look, they need it, right? Like there's big picture program implications for getting to a bowl game again. There's momentum to be salvaged, rebuilt really out with this team. And they feel like those are the three guys to do it. So it was interesting to hear it on the record like that. Cause we, we'd been speculating people fairly asked because 
not a lot of four stars coming through Champagne, yeah. and, and you get one and you're not seeing him, in particular with Malik Elzey. It was good to get an answer from George on that. Yeah, let me give you the full answer. He said the possessions are so critical. Those guys have banked a lot of football. They've all made huge plays to win the game. True. Casey Washington with two of them. Obviously, Isaiah Williams with some of them. Pat Bryant scored some touchdowns. George goes on to say, just where they are, we are as an offense, just trying to make sure that we get those guys out there. To be honest with you, those guys don't want to come off the field. They're not tired. Casey's made it known. Isaiah, they want to play and milk every opportunity that they have to make an impact on the game. It's kind of just morphed during the ebb and flow of the game of what we need and what type of situations we're in. Listen, I think if Illinois was up three touchdowns against Indiana, you might see some of these, but that's not that's not the way the Big Ten is going. Like Development, sure, can happen in games, more often happens in games you're blowing somebody out or getting blown out in. Like that's really when Malik came in the game early in the season was when they were getting blown out. So they need to win these games. Like throwing Malik Elzey in there and potentially having a drop or a missed route that leads to an interception. They, as coaches, man, like that's a rarity. Like you, you're not developing during games. You're developing during practice. Yeah, and I'll also say not in reference directly to Malik Elzey, but Brett Bielema had talked about. I think it was earlier this season. I don't remember which player in particular, but with freshmen, you want to make sure that you're putting them in there in a position where they're going to be able to have success and not have moments. Malik Elzey had two drops against whoever was after. Was that FAU? Yeah. He had two drops. Look, drops happen. We, we've seen drops. all, But you want to make sure, like, things don't spiral, right? So I, I think they're very cognizant about when they put guys out there and when they don't. Uh, I will go – Jeremy, there's been a change at cornerback number two mm-hmm. on this team. And I, it's not been as in your face as shrinking down the receiver rotation, but Zachary Toby, Zach Toby has stepped into that corner, that starting spot opposite of Taz Nicholson and teams are going to attack him. Mm-hmm. Teams are going to attack him because he's a freshman, but he gives them a lot of length out there. We've seen that play out uh, at various times this season and to be honest, Tyler Strain had some struggles. I mean, it was an up-and-down experience for him out at that second cornerback spot. And obviously, the Minnesota, or the Wisconsin play is one that a lot of people think of, understandably so. Uh, but Zach Toby has shown some stuff, Jeremy, in, in the snaps that he's gotten out there. So I think that's been an interesting um, – yeah, yeah. kind of an interesting subplot because we didn't – I don't know that we had him as the guy who, who would step into that. I saw him in the spring, and I remember looking at you and going, Zach Toby's second string yeah. right now. That's interesting. And, yes, he's just different. He's different than the guys that they have, and especially with Xavier Scott playing nickel. Um, I, I thought that was was interesting, so I made a note of it. And, obviously, Sabor Kareem's come in and played on that dime package. He was on the field late. <laughs> Sabor Kareem is in the game in that, that moment. So, I think we haven't seen the secondary be a strength, really, overall, right? I do think Taz Nicholson has had a good year, though it's negated by some penalties. Uh, but Xavier Scott has had a really good year. Um, but you're just not making the big plays, but I still like the future uh, of that group. I, I think it's a really talented group that just needs to get a little bit more experience. Um, so I, I, this freshman class, I think it's going to be really good. Jaheim Clark making an impact on special teams too. So I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah, I think you could look next year and see a secondary potentially of Taz Nicholson, Xavier Scott, Zach Toby, Matthew Bailey back healthy. And Miles Scott will still be there, but some more creams interesting to me too. Like, Demetrius is there going to be what, what's yeah. the competition look like at free safety? So it's early years of that secondary that really paid dividends last year. I'm not saying there's three draft picks back there, but kind of that same get them out there early, 
going to be up and down. Xavier Scott last year, right? He had some very up and down moments last season coming in after the uh, cornerback room got hit. So you're seeing it. You're seeing there's some talent back there. It's young. It's what we thought it was going to be. It's young talent trying to find their way through it, with the exception of Taz Nicholson, who's been pretty good, especially after he cut off those penalties. All right, question number four. Biggest reason for confidence against Indiana, Johnny freaking Newton. (laughs) That's it. I mean, his last two games, man, which has been five quarters, has been some of the best football I've ever seen from an interior defensive lineman. And the staff was just gushing about him as they should. Uh, And I love that Aaron Henry was basically like, enjoy him while you can. Like, And it's true. You got three more games of Johnny Newton. Because even if Illinois makes a bowl game – that guy's probably not playing in the bowl game. So so get wound up about it now. Get that out. The only way he does is if they maybe I, I the only way he might is if they maybe rematch with Toledo and you might get the Newton Bowl again. But even then, some agent is gonna say, I'm sure this would be fun for you, but enjoy your time watching with your family. You got tens of millions of dollars guaranteed coming your way potentially. So let's not let's not play that bowl game uh in Detroit. Uh so, unless Merry Big Christmas. Ten Championship game is still in the mix, so I guess I should leave that open. Uh, we'll see what happens the next couple of weeks in the, in the wild, wild west. But it's Johnny Newton and that defensive front that I think are coming on. Like, Keith Randolph battled. Like, he was he was hurting at Minnesota, but he made some impact plays. Uh, I think Denzel Daxon's played some of his best ball. And Seth Coleman's coming alive a little bit, and so is Gabe Ackes. I, I know he played outside linebacker again last week, but those guys are playing a little bit better the last couple of weeks. So uh, Indiana's offensive line still has issues, especially on the right side. Their right side of the, the offensive line uh, has issues. So that's what gives me confidence is those guys are playing ridiculous ball. Their run defense the last few weeks has been really, really good. Uh, so I think that that defensive front, and most notably number four, is, is the reason for confidence. Yeah, I could say the offensive line because I think that's played better. I'm just, I was kind of along those lines of running game. I think especially if you're going in there with a backup quarterback, if that's how this thing plays out, to have Caden Fagan coming into his own, to have that offensive line run blocking in the way that they are, the fashion that they are. That get, I asked Josh Cruz about it. Every offensive lineman wants to run block. I mean, in your, your very storied football career, Jeremy, I'm sure you enjoyed a good run blocking yourself. Yeah, when you I can uh, fill your britches with 185 pounds. At five foot nine, yeah. Run blocking's your thing. Cut blocking was my thing. <laughs> <laughs> but I think the way that like, there's – Illinois needs to run the ball. I've said this every week on here. They need to run the ball to be successful. And they need to do that, with, especially if you, if you go in with the backup. And they have. And then you add Reggie Love back into that mix. I think that's – you can control this thing if yeah. – in theory. You, you can control this thing, play it at your own tempo, do what you want to do, and, and ride your 250-pound running back as far as he'll take you. Yeah, I have this stat in my preview and pick, so I'll, I'll put it out here now. Uh, with Caden Fagan as your main running back, your last three games, your average third down distance against Power 5 opponents, 4.8 against Maryland, 5.0 against Wisconsin, 5.8 against Minnesota. The three games prior to that, four games prior to that, Kansas, 9.9 yards, average third down distance, just teeing off on Luke Altmaier. Penn State, 10.4 yards. 10.4. They lost yardage on these third downs. Purdue, 8.6. Nebraska, 6.5. He's just made them manageable third downs. Like, he is just getting positive yards. Like, there were times, Minnesota, I didn't think the offensive line had a great day. The two previous games, Maryland Wisconsin, I thought the offensive line played really well. Fagan just outran and 
plowed through some bad blocking at times and, and got you into second and eight instead of being second and 12 um, or got you into third and three instead of third and 10. So uh, he, he's made a huge impact of just giving you that physical identity and giving Altmaier a chance. And, and now if, if Altmaier can't go, they're going to need that uh, to give John Paddock a chance. Yeah, absolutely. And it's made Barry Loney's job just so much easier. It has, and those guys believe in Caden Fagan. Yeah. I mean, Isaiah Williams glowed about him. I don't, I don't think there's any doubt that the, the offense feels like if you put – Isaiah Adams said it way back at – oh, gosh, Jeremy, where were we at for that? What game was that? That Purdue. Get the ball to three. Purdue. That was the Purdue game. I mean, they believed in this kid for a while. Because you can see it. They can see it. Like, I don't want to tackle that guy. I see him plowing through people. Like, you can just he's, – he's built different. Like, when you got dudes like that, it's like watching Regis Ben or Richard Menenhall back in the day. Like, I don't know if he's going to be a top 50 pick or whatever, but it's just those guys are ridiculously talented and, and physically good, and, and he's gotten better every week. His vision's gotten better. Uh, his blocking's gotten better. And uh, you've seen that explosiveness uh, on a couple of these touchdowns. Yeah, I, I called him deceptively fast today. I I don't – I think I – I think for being on my life term, deceptive. You got to appreciate the question, but my first—I think my first one. If Fred, it's just a fun aside. If Fred Bielema says he appreciates the question, I'm not sure that he appreciates the question. It's his way of saying uh, it's a dumb question. <laughs> yes, I will wear that. Um, but look, I, I think 250 pounds—the way he ran, especially on that catch and run—deceptively yeah. fast. He can move. He, he deceived. Coming up, at, he deceived Tyler Newbin on that run. <laughs> yes, he sure did. I, I remember him coming up in high school, and I know it's a totally different bear but like the the thought of him was yeah this kid's really like he wasn't as monstrous as he is now but the, the, he was still a big guy it's like he's also really fast like he, he's a fast kid and i just don't think you see it because a lot of his yards have been those three through six yard pickups and occasionally you see him break out of there and yeah, probably not the breakaway chase brown speed right but he, yeah. he's got enough speed to make to compliment that that huge frame. By the way, Bioma did also did not like our nickname attempts. No, oh god, no. He he no, did not he, approve. Uh, he did the the law firm, which you could do with any kind of English sounding names. Uh, yeah. with, with but it's like, where's your idea, Brett? Right, like. <laughs> oh, <laughs> so I so I put out because he mentioned Anthony Anthony Thomas, right? When kind of comparing him to Caden Fagan. You mentioned Anthony Thomas. So in one of my stories, I just put the K-trains gain, gaining steam. And I was just like throwing it out there. I didn't care. Um, you had the Arthur Wagon, which I like, but Bielma did point out he's from Atwood. But it just doesn't work when you say I Atwood. mean, I asked Caden. I was like, well, you are from Atwood, but there aren't really as many buggies in Atwood. <laughs> I think it's still workable, but I, I'm willing to move on from it. Yours is far not. more creative than mine. Like, I just went K-train. Thank you. I get a little yeah. credit here like and it. there. I like it, but apparently it did not fly. Well, well, it's a work in progress. I'm not ready to retire that one yet. First Uh, NIL deal that comes in, Brett's going to go up there and scream Arthur Wagon in front of every microphone. (laughs) Number five, biggest cause for concern against Indiana, Joey. I don't want to keep going back to, well, if they're down to a backup quarterback. But, I mean, that's if they're down to a backup quarterback, that's a cause for concern. For as, as much as John Paddock showed you last week, and for as much as I think it's fair to think he could piece his way through a game, as, as a starting quarterback. I, I do think that's fair. And I think playing Indiana and not playing a, an Iowa next week or Wisconsin, go down the line, like, sorry, but like that you, you'd rather if, if John Paddock has to start, you'd probably rather be Indiana. Yeah. Like, than some of the other games you've played. There's like Luke Altmaier. The spectrum seems way 
wider. Like, he could make some mistakes that put you down in this game. Like, I don't know if John Paddock is going to make those. But I also think Luke Altmaier, with him in the game, you have a chance to blow them out. Like, I, I think – I respect Indiana. I, I don't think this was going to be a blowout. I just haven't seen that from Illinois. But if he is on his A game, if Luke Altmaier is on his A game, I think Illinois could win this by a couple touchdowns. But he was now, on his A game in the first half last week. He was awesome. Sure was. Awesome. And his defense wasn't very good, right? Um, and, and his wide receivers didn't make plays on the ball. Like, Bat Bryant dropped three passes or got three passes broken up in the end zone uh, that ended up, that's what, six, six, and two. <laughs> 14 points right there, uh, potentially 16. So, yeah, I just, I thought he was awesome in that first half against Minnesota. And as great as John Paddock was, like Luke Altmaier has been one of the best quarterbacks in the Big Ten the last five weeks. Ten touchdowns, three interceptions, 76% completion rate. Sure, there's ups and downs. His ball security's got to get better. His, um, you know, nitpicking of just getting rid of the ball a little bit quicker all those things yes those are true but this is a dynamic quarterback that gives Illinois an advantage in every game the rest of the season John Paddock I I had to see it but like Altmaier won this job for a reason so I I hate to be like the skeptical on on John Paddock after what we just saw but I think that's all legit uh my concern is 50-50 balls Uh, Casey Washington has shown he can win them can anybody else win him on this team? Like Pat Bryant. That's not what we've seen. That's his next step. Isaiah Williams obviously smaller, but he's shown the ability to get open and catch the ball. Um, Tip Ryman did a little bit, but I, even on defense, man. Like we've seen this a couple times now where Illinois' defensive backs go win a battle. That happened a couple times against Minnesota. They win two 50-50 balls. Great balls by Ethan Kaliak Manis, but – those wide receivers came down with the ball while Minnesota's defensive backs broke up similar passes. Like, I, w- I want to see you know some of these guys make some plays in the ball. I think Zach Toby can do it. Now the experience has to kick in. Xavier Scott, when you get the opportunity, haul those in. Um, I-, I need to see those guys make a big play because we're seeing some forced fumbles. We're seeing some sacks. We're seeing some pressure. That secondary now has to make some of those plays. And I think Pat Bryant's next step, and, and George McDonald told me this, is he's got to be able to come down with some of those balls moving forward. Yeah, I think another, I guess, concern is you just got to get rid of those coverage busts. They had some broken coverages in that first half that really kept Minnesota in it. Yep. Um, early on when Luke Altmaier was playing really good ball. Got to clean those up. They did. They did in the second half, and I think Clayton Bush was a big big part of that. And I know you talked with Clayton this week, but you got have a couple of those against Indiana with the backup, and now you're, you know, if it is a backup, I should say, now you're kind of, you know, less comfortable, I guess. All right. For the last question, number six, I thought of going a little bigger picture. Last year, Illinois had how many all Big Ten guys? Oh, it was like so many. 11, oh. 12, something like that. Which Illini would receive all Big Ten honors if the season ended today? I mean, Johnny Newton. First team. Isaiah Newton. Williams. He's he's between first and second team. So I kind of want to have this go. No doubt, Johnny Newton's a unanimous all Big Ten first team. He's going to be in the discussion for Big Ten Defensive Player of the Year. Illinois is probably going to have to win some more games. And he's going to continue to have to produce to do that from the interior defensive line position. I think Cooper DeGene is going to get some of those. Um, the Ohio State defensive end, JT Tulamate, I can never say his name right. Um, Chris Jenkins at Michigan is really good on one of the best defenses in the country. Insert Michigan joke here. Um, but yeah, he's going to be in that conversation, right? Um, and then Isaiah Williams, 
obviously Marvin Harrison's unanimous first teamer. And then it gets into the, the interesting one. Um, is it Ibuka from Ohio State who's missed time? Probably not at this point. Isaiah's numbers certainly work in his favor, but he hasn't had as many touchdowns. Kind of the whole issue with Chase Brown last year was they weren't able to get all those touchdowns. So it's going to be really interesting to see because um, I got the 2022 names up here. But all right, Isaiah Williams, Marvin Harrison, Ibuka. Who else from Illinois as I get the leaders from receiving? Yeah, I want to put a little caveat, which isn't to overlook honorable mentions, but I think that really expands the list. We could sit here and talk for a while. So let's let's just cut it to first through third. Let, let me hit that. I was struggling to get the, the page up. But uh, Roman Wilson from Michigan is who was, I think, 10 touchdowns, 589 yards, one of the top teams in the country. Daniel Jackson, Deion Burks. I, I think there's no doubt Isaiah Williams is going to be second team at the worst. Um, I, I think Harrison and Wilson could potentially be the two guys in front of him. So after Isaiah Williams, who you got? Well, that's where it gets interesting because Keith Randolph would be a guy that you would think should be on that in that conversation. He's missed some time, yeah, uh, but I, and probably doesn't have the counting numbers that, that some voters would look at. Yeah, I feel like he's going to be better suited for the coaches than the. Now, I, I feel like this year there's going to be a discrepancy between media and coaches poll for, for a couple of these guys. Like Julian Pearl ha- has played some stretches of good football. But if you pull up PFF, PFF, he's going to be charged with I don't know how many sacks he's yeah. at present charged with. So those can like I throw I out a can I throw out a name? Kaz Nicholson would be a guy. Oh, do it! I know what you're going to do. I'm so pumped for this. If I had to guess a guy that's going to be another actual teamer, not just an honorable mention, I think Xavier Scott. Oh, that's not who I that surprised you. Did Xavier Scott is number three? in the Big Ten and pass breakups. He's got an interception. Um, he's got numbers. And if anybody's watched him, that, that might be the issue for him. But if anybody's watched him, he's played incredibly well this year. So maybe he's a little bit of an under-radar guy. But the pass breakups, are, I can tell you as a media member who votes for these, I go to PFF, you go to the numbers, you, based on what you've seen. Um, but those numbers carry a lot of weight. So if he continues racking up those PBUs uh, and he has two interceptions I think he's got a legit chance so I surprised you who, who are you thinking you did surprise. I thought you were going to say Hugh Robertson oh Hugh um, I don't think he's there's a lot of good punter like the first team punter spoken for <laughs> Heisman contender right yeah I, but the, the reality is he's like he might be an honorable mention he's had a good season with a couple snafus Taz Nicholson, honorable mention type guy? Yeah. I, I think Julian Pearl, Isaiah Adams will certainly get honorable mention. I know it hasn't been the season Isaiah Adams wanted, but I think people know how good he is. Julian Pearl, I think, deserves to be in that third team consideration probably. Um, does Dylan Rosiak get involved there? We assume Keith is making one, Keith Randolph. Yeah, he'll be honorable mention at the worst. I agree, I agree. Uh... Dylan Rosiak, it's a pretty good. I mean, I think. Can Seth Coleman get in there? Are we forget? I think Seth Coleman has a chance to. Um, not a lot of sack production in the Big Ten He's this got year. Three? Does he have three sacks? Four now, right? Because he just had Four. He got one game. last week. Get him up two more. Two more in the next couple of games. That'll probably jump off the page a little bit to some voters. He could be a guy. Yeah, he's uh he's tied for 15th in sacks in the Big Ten. The two kids from Purdue, 
Jenkins and Skirton both have seven. Uh, Isaac's going to be in there. Danny Strigos had a good year at Minnesota, had a good game against Illinois. Joe Evans at Iowa. It's going to be difficult for him to get second or third team, but there's a path for him to get there. If he Say if he gets three more sacks, I think he's definitely on there. I agree. What Now, let's pivot on this since we're talking postseason honors. Let's talk about Caden Fagan, man. Mm-hmm. Like I know you looked into it. We talked about this extensively at the airport in Minneapolis trying to figure out what this looked like. Late push, Jeremy, for Big Ten freshman of the year? Yeah, if he gets like 300 more yards, I think he'll win it. Unless Darius Taylor comes back and, and, and owns it. Uh, I do have to mention Dylan Thieneman might be the, the go-to guy. Like Darius Taylor was going to be All-American, freshman All-American, number one running back before he got hurt and has missed all this time. Um, still one of the leaders in the Big Ten in rushing. Again, not a huge numbers year for, for running backs in the Big Ten besides uh, the, the kid out of Rutgers, Menungai. Um, and Braylon Allen getting hurt. Trevian Henderson missed games. So the numbers just haven't been there. Blake Corum and Donovan Edwards have just not put up the the numbers that they did last year. So so Fagan, if he gets over 700 yards, gets a couple more touchdowns, gets involved in receiving game, yeah, I think he's got the chance to, to go and swipe that award just given how important he's been to this team. And, and given that there's, like, not a lot of other guys right now that are, that are doing it, like, Soresby, the quarterback from Indiana, might be in, involved now because he's a redshirt freshman. But Thieneman from Purdue probably has the numbers. But if Illinois makes a bowl game, you could argue uh, Caden Fagan's made a bigger impact on winning, obviously. Yeah, and the, the really remarkable thing is a lot of this has come when, with him not playing effectively in the first four weeks of the season. They got some snaps, but not really. He, he obviously became that feature back at Maryland. Dude, his season's been really good. And, like, he's, he, he is. He, like, you're seeing him get better every week. It, it's pretty remarkable to think just how – and he said, he's like, I talked to some of the freshmen. I was in high school last year mm-hmm. playing two-way football. Like, it's his ability to put this all together as quickly as he had. And the opportunity, I mean, you don't want your teammates to get hurt, uh, but that's paved the way for an opportunity for him to come in here. And, you know, we've seen freshmen not maximize – Right, like we've seen them have these opportunities, it just doesn't pay out for one way or the other. It is for him, and it is—he's a story right now. This Illinois offense. No, absolutely, he's changed it for the better, and uh, he'll be top three, no doubt, no doubt. Uh, you know, barring injury, he'll be a top three pick for for Big Ten Freshman of the Year, and he—he's—he's he's gaining, right? Like if he passes up Darius Taylor here soon, which I think will happen unless Taylor comes back and is healthy, um, I think he's got a shot at this award. All right, picks to click. You hit yours. I hit mine earlier <laughs> with Tip Ryman on offense getting the touchdown, but I will give you – I will seed you Isaiah Williams with his career best performance. It was bold. It was bold to go out and, and pick Isaiah. Yeah, even though we had agreed, Isaiah Williams is not to be picked. But I, I oh, guess, well, now, can we discuss the defensive pick to click if you don't mind? I did not take Johnny Newton. I thought you did. No. No. Yeah. I missed on mine. I had a did gay backus, remember? Yeah, yeah. I don't remember who I had. Kanena? I had Kanena. Yeah. Which, probably better than Gabe, but I don't think either of us said it was just Johnny Newton. It was the Johnny Newton show. Let's let's take – if we go back to our normal rules here. Yes, no Johnny Newton, no Isaiah Williams. All right, offensive pick to the click against Indiana. The Illini are six-point favorites. Joey, I'll let you go first. Keep it going with Caden Fagan. I think if you're down to a backup quarterback. How brave of you. 
I can't wait to hear your out on a limb pick. This is going to be a blast to hear who, who you go with. I'm, I'm so mad at you. Uh, look, if you're down to a backup quarterback, Caden Fagan's a guy who, who you've seen can can carry this thing can can just be that to, to that stabilizer to put John Paddock in, in manageable situations on third down, short yardage situations. Uh, I just I like what you've seen out of him. I really, really like what you've seen out of the offensive line as run blockers. I, I think that they are finding it. it. Look, the way that line has bounced back after a, a truly bad start and take taken a lot of fair criticisms, Bart Miller has, virtually everyone from left to right has, maybe not as much Julian Pearl. Um, they've bounced back in a really meaningful way and, and it's it's no coincidence that yes Caden Fagan helped and getting those yards those positive yardage runs his first run for a loss was last week it's like 70 some odd carries mm-hmm. that's ridiculous uh, but to, like that helped those guys are really they're, they're doing a heck of a job up there at least as run blockers so you need at least 80 yards and a touchdown right to win Sean, I'll take that. That's this whole ramp I'm going on. You're just trying to do in your numbers calculation. That's fine. I lost myself halfway through anyway. Uh, I will go. I mentioned him not making some plays last week when he had the opportunity, even though he had a good game. Pat Bryant, I think you're going to need a lot of one-on-one coverage. I think uh, Indiana, if Luke Altmaier can't go, is going to load that box and try to stop Caden Fagan. That could open up the RPO game, and I think uh, that's where Pat Bryant can really shine. Is on those slants, catch him. Got some yak last week that I love seeing on some of the RPOs. So I'll go Pat Bryant with a, a big game if uh, Luke Altmaier is not able to go. Defensive pick to click. Joey, I'm going to go first. I've been mentioning him all game, all this podcast. I think he's had a really good season, and I think it's time for him to make a, a big game changing play. I'm going to go Xavier Scott in that nickel position making a play on Soresby uh, that can help change the game. I, I think him and Taz Nicholson have been really solid, and uh, Scott's had a really good season. I mean, just for sophomore, like he, he's a he's a foundational piece for them in that secondary. Yeah, he's everything that this coaching staff kind of told us he would be in the offseason. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go with Seth Coleman. I'm going to play the Johnny Newton effect a little bit. I'm yep. going to go with Seth Coleman because I think you're starting to see – those two play off of each other well. The coaching staff be able to play those two uh, together well. Let Seth Coleman maximize the ridiculous amount of attention Johnny Newton gets. And I think you can go back. I might be able to get a sack and move his way into that All-Big Ten discussion. All right. Anything else to add, Joey, before we go? No, it's supposed to be kind of 50. 50 degrees on Saturday. Give or great, take, 11 Great start to November. You think of last year Michigan State was like 50-mile-an-hour winds? Wasn't Purdue something similar? Yeah. Michigan was cold. Press box. Brett Barron's is going to hear this. It's just, he's so mad, our friend at WCIA. Yeah, for the fans, yeah. it matters. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it has been a good November. 11 a.m. We love 11 a.m. home love games. It. Love it. Got to figure out what Iowa is. 2.30. 2.30. Yeah, we, like we say 2.30, so we can just work harder that weekend by covering basketball the night before. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's getting crazy. Uh, like we're just we're hoping to work harder. I guess is what two thirty is. Yeah, usually, usually after City. usually after these weekends covering football games, you have like a day <laughs> where you got all right. I get to this day and I can just kind of take it easy a little bit. That has not happened with basketball and signing day and all this stuff going on. But it beats a normal job, Joey. But no days oh, off. No days off. No days off. But I am going to write a notebook and play a lot of video games today. Look forward to it. Thank you, Joey. Thanks, man.
Great stuff as always from Joey Wagner. Thank you to Matt Weaver for his time and insight as well. That'll do it for us on this edition of the Illini Enquirer podcast. Give us a follow, rating, review wherever you get your podcasts. Check us out on YouTube. Hit the like button. Subscribe to us. Hit the notifications bell as well. And if you're not a VIP member, what are you doing? It's just $1 for your first month of VIP membership at Illini Enquirer. And boy, are we loaded. Sometimes I get concerned uh, we bury our own stuff all the time, but there's just so much going on. And uh, we got some really good writers and great great, uh, contributors with Jay Lehman, obviously Michael Tulip, that we try to give you as much Illini content as possible, quality content, and hopefully you guys are enjoying that. But uh, $1 for your first month if you're not a VIP member. All right, everybody have a great day. Take care of each other. We'll talk to you next time right here on the Illini Enquirer Podcast. Bye, everybody. Bye, everybody.